the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, what does effective evangelism look like? And then we're going to have another round of Grinds My Gears. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on this Monday afternoon. Aubrey, it's the day after Easter. Day after Easter. Easter Monday. Easter Monday. So we're going to reflect a little bit on Easter. But right now it feels outside like it's the day after Christmas. It feels like, yeah, I was just thinking that. It's a, it's a nice winter evening we're having. I uh, might have said non-pastoral words today when I woke up and saw the snow <laughs> on the ground. What words were those, Brian? Just, you know, just, know. you've got to be kidding me. But Yeah, yeah, uh, we woke said up. A little more, it was unbelievable. It I went and woke my kids up for school and I'm like, hey, time to get up. There's snow on the ground. It was so crazy. We looked outside because our bedroom's on the second floor and Kevin, the first thing he said this morning was like, there's snow on the roof. (laughs) (laughs) It's just unbelievable this spring that we've had because it's supposed to be 79 degrees this weekend coming up. So it's still holding out. But the bigger deal is Easter. That's right. Uh, When we last spoke, you and I, we were heading to Good Friday. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Easter Sunday. So uh, tell me about Easter Sunday. How was it? What was? Uh, what did you enjoy maybe mm-hmm. in your church with your family? Tell us about your, reflect upon your Easter Sunday. Yeah, Easter Sunday was wonderful. We had uh, two services. You know what I did kind of reflect on as a, and I'm sure you guys experience this, as a pastor's family, you don't get to attend church yeah. as a family, really. Mm-hmm. So that's always, we didn't get any pictures of us in our like Easter outfits, which I like, you know, seeing, but that's okay. Did you so, wear a bonnet? Did you uh, have a hat I on? did. I wore a bonnet, white gloves, <laughs> white patent leather, Mary Janes. I actually tweeted something yesterday because I was remembering. I grew up in Oklahoma. My family from Texas, family from Georgia. Growing up on most Sundays, just church in general, but especially Easter Sundays, we my mom would be like, young ladies wear slips and young ladies wear pantyhose. And so I would have to wear either of those like white itchy tights or pantyhose with tight, uncomfortable shoes and slips under my frilly dress. Yesterday, I wore jeans. Uh-oh. Yeah, I went crazy. I went really crazy. They were nice jeans, though. They were dressy. Anyway, Easter Sunday was fantastic. We had two incredible services. Worship team was out standing uh somebody from our church did a spoken word that was just like unbelievable i posted it on my instagram at obsamp if you want to watch part of it kevin preached an amazing message it, you know i think the energy is just different on there Easter. Is. people are excited they're good to be there lots of cheering and clapping and celebrating um yeah we take communion every sunday but of course we took communion and it just and then the family came over kevin's family nice. came over for an easter egg hunt so it was fun can we just pause and go back to something you said yes uh both please describe and then tell me why you felt the need to have to tell us that they were fancy jeans. <laughs> like, was that a guilt that you were yeah. wearing jeans no, no, no. on Easter I, Sunday? Because I'm so glad you pointed because that you out. Because you felt like you were liberated. You're like, I got to wear jeans yeah. on Easter. And then you threw in. Yeah. But they were fancy jeans. I think my mom's voice or my and my grandma's <laughs> voice was in the back of my head going, girl, you wore jeans at church on Easter Sunday. And so I had to be like, but mom, Mima. 
They were fancy jeans, and I wore a blazer. So yes, you you heard me have a conversation with the you ghosts of int- my family. <laughs> what people don't know is that you wore pantyhose underneath your fancy <laughs> jeans yesterday, so as to meld your two worlds. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, and how our, was your service? It was wonderful. Uh, the whole day was great. Right, like got up. There is just an energy. You wake up and you're ready. It's Easter. Like, yeah. You're ready to go, and then. Um, you know, we did, you know, we're normally a one service church, but we did two services yesterday and both of them felt relatively full. Awesome. And you saw people you hadn't seen in a while. Yeah. You saw people who'd never been there. And, uh, most of all, it's just, if you can't get energized preaching the Easter message, then you're probably in the long, wrong line mm, of work, right? Yeah, like true. there's just to proclaim the, the empty tomb and proclaim the hope and victory that yeah. we have because of it to talk about, Oh, now you can stand firm. We have yeah. this internal inheritance. Like you're really just dispensing hope to people. And, uh, you know, there are times that come where we get to or have to preach hard messages. Easter's not one of no, them. No, Easter's just like joyful. You get to hit the gospel no matter what. That's right. And it's just, yeah, it's triumphant. It's victorious. It's 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 good news. It's what we hang our everything on, right? And I think something else you brought up that is very true is that um, people come ex- with expectation, on mm, Easter. That's it. Uh, I, I would like to hope that we always come with expectation to church, but we all know that's not yeah. true. Even sometimes we get up to preach without expectation. Absolutely. Like, okay, I got to get through this. Yeah. But there come everybody's got an expectation mm-hmm. on Easter morning. So that was fun. And then we went to brunch with my parents and my aunt and uncle were in nice. town from out of town. Oh, stop. And, and then we went home a little bit. I, you know, Carrie and I both just kind of zoned out. Yeah. We kind of fell asleep. And then we went to my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's house on Carrie's side and had a ton of fun. Oh, my gosh. How fun. Lots of food, lots of family, lots of fun. And, uh, yeah, just a really good day. Really yeah. do enjoy Easter. Yeah, it was a really good day. You're right about that expectation piece. Like, I... I I sort of I kept thinking that I wish whatever this energy is that we had this every Sunday but it then as I thought back on it Easter should should be like next level in mm-hmm, a sense because mm-hmm. we are celebrating the resurrection of course you wish like every Sunday you gathered it was like that but there is some there is something special and has to do with that expectation people get a little more dressed up they're excited to worship they're reflecting on the cross and the resurrection and the victory of Jesus and so there is, yeah, there's something set apart about yeah. Easter Sunday that's really, really nice. We also went to a Good Friday uh, service. Th- three of our friends that are church planters combined together in your neck of the woods, actually, Brian, over in the Downers yeah. Grove area. Chose not to come to my church. I know. I did tell you. I, I felt really guilty. I felt a little bashful yes, coming in to tell you. we had a Good Friday service. I even told Kevin on the way, Brian's going to be so mad at me that I was just like down the street from his church, but I went someplace else. But that was... Well, um, good friends of yours. So. Yeah, good friends of ours. It was it was nice to be able to, since we didn't have our own Good Friday service to to stop and reflect on Good Friday, and that made Easter, I think, even more celebratory. How'd your Good Friday service go? You know, I love, it sounds weird, but I love the Good Friday service. It's very reflective. It's very dark. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is, um, you know, we do communion. uh, Easter weekend, we do communion on Good Friday. Yeah. And so I love that. It's great because it also gets you prepared for Easter Sunday. So I really do enjoy it. I do want to tell one more quick Easter story. let's hear it. Uh, as I said, you, when you're preaching on Easter, it is like, you know, this is what you, you're going for all year, yeah, right? what you're like born for. So on Good Friday, I got up and I'm 
pre- you know, a shorter message, but mm-hmm. I'm preaching about the crucifixion of Jesus mm-hmm. and t- tying it to the Passover, all this stuff. And uh, I forgot to turn my phone off, so it dinged. And I was like, oh, I, I, I did it well. I kind of kept preaching, brought yeah. my phone up, turned it turn off. off. Nobody could tell. Carrie yeah. could tell, but nobody else could tell. So I was good. So on Easter morning, I was really good. I turned my phone off. Okay. Oh, no. But, um, or maybe I just, so it was still vibrating, like something came uh-huh. up. So I am preaching. Uh, I think in the second service, I am bringing it, Aubrey. I am oh, like, no. I am in the groove. And then I got thrown off because my phone vibrated. And I'm yep. like. My family's all here. Uh, people know that I'm a pastor. Like, who would tech, like? Maybe it's one of these political things that is just a robocall. Who's this? So I finish preaching. Who could dare text you? I finish preaching and I step off the stage because now we're gonna have a time of singing. So I'm, I come uh-huh. off and I, I, you know, kind of just pull my phone out. I'm like, I'm just gonna check, make sure that there's no. Um, emergency, emergency or thing. and who did I see texted me in the middle of my sermon? But Aubrey Sampson. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like she should be busy on Easter morning. I, 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 explain yourself I know, in your nice jeans I while know, you're texting me. I know. I, I said, I will never do that again. You know what happened? I went to, we went to first service. We came home and I had like two hours before the family was coming over and I was rushing to clean my house and plan this right now, this show we're doing right now. Because I knew last night I would be way too exhausted after all the Easter stuff. And so I got this great idea for something I want you and I to talk about. And I'm like, I'm going to text Brian about it real quick. And I'm like, <laughs> did it honestly, until you said something today, it didn't even occur to uh-huh. me that you So I am so sorry. I mean, I sorry. thought maybe Aubrey I'm would so text sorry. me like, hey, friend, I'm praying for you. I know you're preaching. <laughs> no, I'm like, here's Pray my idea. No, like that. So that I'm really so made me sorry. laugh. I'm so sorry. I won't do it oh, again. It I've learned a laugh. lesson. I'm just going to start. I'm going to start asking you when you're speaking places. I'm just going to bombard <laughs> you with texts. I deserve it. I deserve it. So we hope that you had a great Easter last week. Something we're going to talk about throughout this week is oftentimes people go to church on Easter, don't go to church the next week. But instead, that seems counterproductive and backwards. So commit to getting back to church this week. Stay engaged. A lot of us really engage our faith around Easter. uh, But let's not now backslide and and go down the other direction. But let's kind of keep that going. Hopefully you had a wonderful Easter of worship, but also of family time. All right, Aubrey, uh, you got your master's degree in evangelism and something or other. Evangelism and leadership. I did. Are those two separate things? Are they two uh, separate degrees? Th- well, yes, sort of. It's a it's it's one master's but we spent half of it focusing on leadership, like organizational mm-hmm. leadership and just leadership skills, personal leadership, etc. and the other half on evangelism. So there wasn't much it wasn't like uh, leading in evangelism. Right, right, it was right. like leading in a church or ministry, et cetera, okay. and, then, and then also evangelism. I bring that up because I want to talk about effective evangelism. I've told you that I've shared the stories in the past that um, I grew up in the church, and I think it was done in a, in a very um, – with good intentions. Yeah. But I was raised in some ways through youth groups, some activities that we did that made me scared of evangelism mm, because totally. – I literally sophomore year went to above high school, went to a conference where I was on the beaches of Atlantic City doing uh, clipboards. Lots going of people to, did that. Yeah. Going up to random strangers going, uh, do you know where you'd go if you died? And I'm like this, like, you know, I'm this high school like kid. kid. Yeah. And I'm uh, it was yeah. weird. And so it really kind of had a reverse effect on yeah. me to where 
the thought of sharing my faith got linked with that kind of activity, and I was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And there's been a big movement recently to, hey, less street preaching, less door-to-door, more friendship, yeah. more community. But that's also got its drawbacks. Right. And so uh, I want to hear from you on what you think effective evangelism is, but I want to start by a clip that was flying around Twitter. It has been, and we don't know that this happened this weekend or this happened six months ago, yeah. right? It happened sometime in the in the recent past, uh, but it, it got picked up by some of the bigger Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fifty Shades of Way mm-hmm. is one of them. Rex Chapman, like those non-Christian websites that, or Twitter accounts that really, once they get a video or something, it goes crazy. So this one has 35 million views right now. And it simply says this, imagine that you get on a plane and you have to listen to this. Let's play the video. All right, so you might hear the rumbling in the background. So let me paint the picture. Yeah, we've all been on airplanes before. It is a they're at thirty thousand feet. They're flying. You can't go anywhere. You're trapped. And there's clearly a youth group, a college group, a mission group. A guy got up into the aisle with his guitar, yes. and a bunch of other people who are in his group kind of stood up at their seats and they started singing worship songs. Aubrey, uh, let me be the one to take the bullet here. Okay. I'm going with inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. I'm going with ineffective. Yeah. I'm going with you're pushing people away from Jesus. Mm-hmm. What would you think if you were on that airplane? Oh, I mean, unfortunately, I this felt so, I hate to say this, but it felt cringeworthy mm-hmm. to me because, again, you've got people trapped on an airplane now, I don't know the scenario. Maybe they rented out the whole plane. That's not, not what the video looks like. From because that guy's face There on are it. faces of people who look very angry. And I think that's the problem. Mm-hmm. It's not respectful to the neighbor in the room. It is uh, not considerate. Uh, it is not relational. And then I think, Brian, something that I know you would say, I'm going to put words in your mm-hmm. mouth, but mm-hmm. I think it's because I've heard you say this. If we're going to all be okay with this, Mm -hmm. then that means next time we're on a plane when we all also have to be okay with the Muslim worship group getting up and singing all of their songs with no problem. Mm -hmm. Like we have to be okay with that. And what I think can't happen now, this is what's hard, is we can't, let's say uh, uh, people start making fun of this group, which has happened online. It's currently going on. (laughs) Then what we can't do is turn around and say, well, that's persecution. We're being persecuted because of Jesus. No, you're being persecuted because you did not do a kind, thoughtful thing. Mm -hmm. You did an unkind, thoughtful thing, and that pushes Jesus away. That's what I think, Brian. I know that sounds terrible coming from someone with a master's in evangelism and leadership and someone in ministry, but you said the same thing. What was your take on it? I was embarrassed for them. Yeah. Because you're in an airplane, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to have somebody get up and start making a speech on an right, airplane. Right. I wouldn't about want to anything. have somebody get up and start talking about whatever. Like, I'm on an airplane. Yeah. You need to respect me. There's If there's 100 people on an airplane, we all have 100 different reasons for being on that airplane. Yeah. And we're all headed. We just want to get to where we're going. Right. If you want to walk up and down and be like, hey, we kind of wanted to sing a song. Would you be okay with that? From the faces 
of what is going on in this. That was clearly that clearly didn't happen. Not the I, case. I'm a little surprised, even just that. How did it happen? Because the guy is like you said, standing with a guitar. Mm-hmm. How do you? How did the stewardesses or whoever or stewards I mean, was probably flight off. attendants? Yeah. I guess is the word I'm supposed to use. How did they let that happen for so long? I just think. Who knows? But yeah. seatbelts are off. You can move up and down yeah. around the cabin. Yeah. I do remember once being at that same evangelism conference I was talking to, and the guy said with pride, he said, the only people I've not been able to evangelize to are the people stuck next to me in an airplane. And I remember even in high school being yeah. like, that feels weird. Right. But maybe I'm just not uh, enough. So, okay, let's turn this positive. We do. We are not anti-evangelism. Definitely not. My degree's in it. We're yeah. anti-being annoying. And anti-being uh, uh, disrespectful yeah, that's it. in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Like, if you read the Twitter comments, the people are going, this is why I don't like Christians. This is why. You, yeah. You can have a negative effect yeah. when you're trying to have a positive yeah. effect. So how do we, do, the Bible talks about doing the work of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. We It is the calling. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a calling on all of our lives, not just on the person gifted yeah. in evangelism, yeah. uh, not just on the person with the master's degree or whatever else. Yeah. So what do you think effective evangelism looks like? If it's not getting up and just speaking and singing, the, the, here, I'll, I'll say this. I'll put my cards on the table. The danger of swinging it too far the other way is we never evangelize. Yeah, we never it. speak the name of right. Jesus. We make good, we're good at making friends. We're really bad at bringing up uh, our story or yes. Jesus. So how yes. would you talk uh, people through that? Yeah, so I, I would say we do have to, we ha- we've said this on the show before and it's worth saying. Sometimes your bad method of evangelism is still better than my non method of evangelism. And so I think we can own that. I don't know that I would say that was evangelism because evangelism by nature is um, like uh, declaring or displaying the good news in such a way that it like clears the um, the blocks that people Mm. have in their minds so that they might consider that Christianity is a plausible way of life. Yeah. That's not what happened. That was a worship service, right? Like an unasked for worship service. But here's what I always think of first Peter three fifteen. First Peter says, Peter says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason uh, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So I think there's some things that Peter was assuming. One, there's enough relational rapport that people are actually asking Mm -hmm. the reason for the hope that you have. And so you're giving an answer when you're asked. You're not forcing an answer on somebody. And that's what was happening on that airplane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You do it with gentleness. That's massive. You do it with respect. You do it with a clear conscience, meaning like we're not trying to argue or force or put our religion on somebody else. You are gently, respectfully, um, patiently, uh, in relationship with that person, just explaining why you have the faith you have. Mm. And I think when we get beyond that, it just gets weird. We look bad. We get angry because we're trying to convince other people. Now, these people on the airplane were angry, but I don't think they showed respect because they forced their beliefs on other people. That's right. That's right. It's like singing was weird, too. Like, just if you were a non-Christian, non-church person mm-hmm. and you just saw that happening, you'd be like, what is going on? Yeah. I want nothing to do with yeah. it. It's just an odd thing. But we do want to be evangelists. Mm-hmm. Like that's the weird – that's the the real part of this conversation is 
we think they went about it the wrong way. Yeah. But like you said, sometimes going about it the wrong way is better than how a lot of us just never go about right, it. So right. what's it look like? I would encourage people, Dave and John Ferguson's book, The Blessed Strategies, mm-hmm. I think is really helpful to this as well. We'll go find that online. Uh, maybe if you just Google annoying worship team on a plane, you'll uh, you'll find it. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Now, we just talked about anger, Aubrey, but I do feel like there are times where if we don't get stuff off of our chest, then they just fester and they grow. That's right. That's why you and I have created a little segment we like to call Grinds My Gears. Let me explain Grinds My Gears. Yes. Grinds My Gears are those things that just they're, they're little annoyances or they're personal. Mm-hmm. They're not. We understand there are bigger issues in this world, like a war in the Ukraine. Yes. Uh, that is, those are atrocities beyond comprehension. Yes. We understand inflation. We understand that today is tax day and yes. people are having, there are much bigger things in the world. But sometimes the things that get us most down or most bothered or stick in us mm-hmm. are little things. So on Grinds yeah. My Gears in the past, we've done stuff like... Events about petty things. Very petty things. Yeah. And, and that is the goal. I'm, you know, this whole thing originated by me venting because somebody didn't hold the elevator door when they could clearly see me. Like, that's what started this many years ago. Do you know that that might have been me? Because I don't like to hold the elevator door because I want a solo elevator ride. Ironically, I don't like holding it either. <laughs> but uh, but I think if you lock eyes with a person, you got to hold it. At that point, you do. Absolutely. You have to hold yeah. it. And then just don't talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to have Or from an earlier them. thing, pull out the guitar and start singing worship songs. I was just songs. thinking that. Sing worship songs in the elevator. Right on the elevator. <laughs> uh, okay. So... I've got, we're going to call this a little bit of Grinds My Gears Easter edition. Okay, yeah, church edition. Yes. Yes. Uh, So there are two things that Grinds My Gears on uh, kind of pastor Twitter. Okay, let's hear it. Christian leader Twitter. So so (laughs) move beyond at Easter time. Okay, let's hear it. The one is the large church that just tells you, oh, it's not about the numbers, but, and I literally (laughs) saw a pastor yesterday who put on social media celebrating the 46,000 people that came to Stop our services it. and the 915 decisions for Christ. And I feel like I should be able to celebrate that. Yeah, instead, that's amazing. Instead, it brings up for me uh, feelings of, uh, oh, maybe what we did wasn't that impressive mm. this week. You know, so there's that. Don't be the guy yeah. or the girl. Yeah. Who tells me it's not about the numbers, and then you just tell me about your numbers? Yeah, just be okay. It was a wonderful time at Church X. Or be like, it was all about the numbers. Yeah. We had this many people. We yeah. are now twenty four hours out from Easter, and yeah. those those are starting to flow they through because they're they're you know, on social media. They are starting. To flow. So that's one. Okay, but now I want to flip it to the other way towards uh, a a what I've seen as a a trend on social media towards the mega church. Okay, so. I think you called this, I was telling you about this, you called this virtue signaling, which yes. I think is a wonderful way to describe it. Post-Easter, uh, the guy or girl in the smaller church, uh, maybe a more traditional church, writes, oh, we saw, you know, God was really glorified, lots of people, blah, 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 and we didn't even need smoke machines we didn't need a big band. We just <laughs> sung with our hymnals and preached the word. Yeah, yeah. As if what they did was better. Yeah, that's definitely a comparison game right there. It's the, 
Wow, it, the 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 mega church is an easy one to go after mm-hmm. with their smoke machines and their right. whatever right. else. And I want to be like, listen. <laughs> as long as the gospel is is That's presented right. and held up, as long as we are celebrating the empty tomb, yeah. as long as we are pointing people to Jesus, yeah. can we agree? that we can go about it uh, differently and still cheer one another on. Yeah, I might actually, be speaking out of both sides of my mouth here. there's but... something beautiful about that. That's, I think, part of why we have different churches, because one church can't be and do all the things. But we have the Catholicity of the churches, meaning that like all of the churches together collectively doing their thing, and we can cheer each other on. That brings glory to God. But you're right, that... You could have just said, man, we had an awesome service, but not had to sort of tear down another church that does use smoke machines I or saw what this. have you. I saw a tweet or Facebook message like that one I just mm-hmm. described probably a half dozen times this weekend. Oh, gosh. Of, look, we didn't need to do <laughs> X, Y, and Z yeah, as and if was there awesome. was like, we are more faithful mm-hmm. to the church mm-hmm. and we are more faithful to yeah. the gospel. Listen, you've listened to the show enough. You know that we've got issues with the mega church sure. movement. Sure. But there's also a lot of really godly good people in there looking to proclaim the gospel well, and see people come to faith. And lots, of, like we said before, we got numbers and numbers of people coming to faith. So yep. let's not hate on that. That's a really good thing. So there you go. Those were my two. They're They're like... Uh, Those are good. They do it to each other, but yeah. it's kind of the it's same way. Interesting, so. interesting, interesting. Pastors just stay off of social media. It's going to make it a lot Maybe easier. Maybe that would make it all better. Okay, I've got a couple church-related uh, grinds my gears. I'm ready. Okay, this one is actually specifically East-related. So Kevin came downstairs Saturday, I suppose, with what he was planning on preaching in on Easter Sunday. And it just wasn't a good, like, I was like, babe, I'm sorry. We need to get you a new Easter outfit. Why? I want to hear because this also happened in my home. So go ahead. Oh, really? Oh, it happens all the time. Okay. So it kind of, and I said this to him, so I feel like it's fair for me to say to the whole world, it was sort of a Miami Vice vibe. Like he had like (laughs) a, like a, he could totally pull that off. I love you, Kevin. He could pull it off, but it was like this bright, like, bright aqua blue like v-neck shirt with a jacket over it and he could pull it off but i know our church and i know everyone would kind of be like oh kevin look at what he's wearing and just would have felt a little distracting from the main event does that make sense like if he and i were on like a date night in florida that would have been a really appropriate outfit okay so i said babe let's let's do something we never do we're gonna take you shopping and we went to tj maxx Oh, you went all new clothes for this. Oh, we went all new clothes. And part of it is, Kev- you know, Kevin's had surgery and he's lost some weight. And so he needed some new things anyway. So this was a good, like a good, like melding of all the worlds. So we go to TJ Maxx and we're sorting through pants. And Brian, this is going to make me sound old. And you know, of the two of us, you're the old one. I'm I the am. young one. It's true. But I, I said this before last week. I don't want to see my, hu- I don't want to see my pastor without his shirt on. I also don't want to see my pastor in super, super skinny jeans. And I thought we were beyond you, that. You have not been doing church planning conference in a while. I guess it's been a while. Every pair of jeans that we picked out for Kevin, he tried them on. And I was like, are those yoga pants? Like, what are those? Every single jean at TJ Maxx. I love it. We're skinny jeans. And it was just like so slim fit that they were stretchy material which is like what i wear carrie like i don't need my husband in that carrie accidentally got me like skinny fit jeans probably a year ago <laughs> i i put them on and i was like yeah i don't know how people move around no, in these things it's so it's not 
a good look. And I guess there's a certain population that can pull them off. Not suburban pastor. Not suburban pastor who's 44. Not dad of three. You know what I mean? Or you're, it, like, it just looked like you're trying a little too hard. So secondly, I, I, along with the jeans, I've said this on the show before, I don't like designs or sparkles on the back of men's jeans. You're all that's about the jeans go. today. So that's my grinds, my gears. Oh, right? that felt good. I uh, want to give a little shout out to our executive producer, Keith Conrad. Yesterday was his birthday, yes. Resurrection of Jesus, and the birthday of Keith Conrad. So well well done, Keith. Well done. Brian, I just found out I'm headed to the Blackhawks uh, game tonight. Fun. Good yeah, for you. going to meet my husband. We're going to drive on down there. It's been a very long time, but I They're have a lot been of fun. To yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Of the sports, I do like hockey. I enjoy watching hockey games because they're they're fast and they're fun and there's violence. They are. They are. Are you the type? Because I know we've established on here, you're not the biggest sports fan in the world. Yeah, we've established that. So a Blackhawks game is going to take you two hours, mm-hmm. right? Three periods. Is mm-hmm. there going to come a point where you're going to be like, all right. I'm ready to go. Yeah, there probably is, but I wouldn't make anyone leave because of that. I sure. would like sacrifice. Like I'd take one for sacrifice. the team, you know. But I, I'll definitely be like, hey, do I need to get popcorn or pretzel now? Do I need to go walk around and look at the merch? You're a regular you know? Joan of Arc. Yeah, aren't I? <laughs> aren't I? All right, uh, Brian. Speaking of, I don't know. I was going to say speaking of Joan of Arc, but that's oh. not a really good segue. Speaking of incredible women uh, on the ground around the world, we've been partnering with SOS International for the past month or so. They're a ministry that's dedicated to rescuing and rehabilitating women and girls in situations of human trafficking. And you and I have had the opportunity to talk with some of the uh, leaders of SOS International, and we've heard just incredible stories, hard stories of young children being sold into trafficking by their parents because they were lied to and they're, you know, told that they were going to school or going to do something else or young girls being rescued from cages, just devastatingly dark stories. And we have an opportunity right now to partner with this ministry. Uh, You know, we've been we've been partnering with them as a radio station, but we'd love to invite you to join with us by going to 1160hope.com. You'll see a SOS International Banner. You can click on that and you can give today and your gift will go to, again, rescuing children, women Mm. that are in situations of just devastation. And so you definitely want to take advantage of this partnership today. Again, go to 1160hope.com. Brian, uh, one of the things that you and I talk about sometimes is on social media, there's always that guy who like... (laughs) That guy. uh, Like, you you know... uh, Tyler Huckabee kind of did this in jest the other day, but you know, when Elon Musk talking about buying Twitter, you guys are so worried about what Elon Musk is paying for Twitter. You don't remember that Jesus paid it all. (laughs) Or you guys are so concerned, you know, with the Easter bunny, you're not thinking about the lamb of God. The one that that bothered me, remember I told you was uh, during the NCAA final four, uh, we should be as excited in church tomorrow as we are for a basketball team. And I want to be like, don't be that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Just don't be that guy. Yeah. There's always that guy on social media, like kind of the Christian Twitter poster, Christian poster, kind of does a weird, I don't know what it is trying to convict all of us or something. Well, relevant magazine has an article up right now called what would Jesus post? And they basically talk about the comments that we make or even the attempts we make to spread the love of Jesus, how sometimes our sarcastic one-liners or even our, like, kind of overly cheesy sayings can be a little bit of a detriment rather than Mm -hmm. adding something beautiful to the world. 
And so they examine um, the Gospels, what Jesus taught about life here on earth. And they came up with at least four ways that Jesus probably would conduct himself if he had a Facebook. Okay. And here's what they say. This is pretty interesting. Um, The first thing is Jesus would not debate everybody about everything all the time. Mm. And this is funny. They say, if you type, why are Christians so into Google, one of the automatic search suggestions completes that sentence with the word mean. Mm. And part of this reason for the stigma is undoubtedly how we engage with disagreements online. So, Brian, what do you think? Would Jesus debate everybody no. over everything all the time? No. no, I think it's clear. This is like the new form of the what would Jesus do bracelets, yeah, right? right? But right. I, I think it's quite clear that if Jesus were posting, uh, here, you might be wondering, how can you answer that question? The question is, how did Jesus respond to people in real life in the Gospels when yeah. he was here? And we know that Jesus... Um, he wasn't a self-ingrandizer, and he didn't pick every fight he could. He 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 was smarter than everybody. He could have out-debated everybody, but he didn't pick every—but he certainly picked some fights. Right. But I'm not sure that he would have been like, hey, let's get over Facebook. Let's do this on Facebook or yeah. Twitter. So yeah. no, not yeah. at all. I think that's good. Okay, here's another one. Jesus wouldn't share pictures of himself and say, if you love me, type <laughs> amen. <laughs> I like that. You like the snarkiness of this relevant article. I kind of like this. It says, we've all seen these posts saying things like, share this post if you want a blessing from Jesus, or type amen if you like God. Keep scrolling if you like the devil. These Christian memes typically featuring a representation of Jesus more, looking more like Han Solo than the historical Jesus promises blessings to all in exchange for likes and shares. They say Jesus would not have manipulated people like that. Mm. I feel like that's a that's a pretty a pretty good one. All right, next one. Jesus wouldn't post unnecessarily divisive politically mm. uh charged posts. He said polarizing things, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father. Sometimes I think Jesus may have said divisive political things. He certainly did, but he said it to the people that were in power. Exactly. Right? And he didn't do it to be divisive or to make a point. Mm. He was trying to challenge. And mm. uh, so I certainly don't think Jesus would have backed away from a fight yeah. or a debate or yeah. whatever. But I, I think we should be honest about who were the people Jesus went at mm. when he was here. Jesus went at the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the people in charge, the people who were taking advantage of other people. He never got on and piled on to the least of these, right? He was for yeah. uh, the you know the children and the sick and mm-hmm. the prostitute and the tax collector and the yeah. fishermen, and he he went at those who wielded their power in in uh, unnecessary ways, in harmful ways. And that's what makes it different than what you see online now. Would Jesus have done that? Sure, he would have done that. And that that's not what we see from people yeah. now. That's not usually who they're taking stock at. They're usually trying to be the people, how can I post so that I get in power? Right, And I am cozying right, up with those in power. Right. Jesus's way of pushing back against those in power is what got him killed. Mm. Uh, and I think he certainly, if he would have been a Facebooker, you think Jesus is probably more likely Instagram, right? If he would have done that, <laughs> uh, those were the people he would have gone at. Yep, yep. That's good. That's a really good point, Brian. Okay, here's their last one, their fourth one. Jesus would post only that which brought glory to his father. Now, yes. they say this doesn't mean he would post only Bible verses or that everyone would love everything he said. It means that whatever, whatever conversations he engaged in online, he would do so with love. He would not enter into conversations with the intention of harming or humiliating others 
whether Jesus would enter into sports discussions online <laughs> sure or just would. post pictures of cute little animals doing funny things, we will never know. Regardless, we must look at Jesus' life and model our online behavior in a way that would bring glory to him. I think that's ultimately the umbrella, Brian, like posting only what brings glory to the Father. Yes. You know, and, and that gives you a lot of room to post a lot of things. I do think Jesus probably would be watching sports and enjoying He'd be a Mets that. fan. <laughs> so think about the, the verse that just says, in everything you do, do it for the glory of God. Yeah. Right? In everything. And that includes, this is where we move from what would Jesus post to what do we actually yes. post. Yes. I do think you should never hit send on a post. You should never hit send on a comment. If you can't answer the question in the affirmative, does this bring glory to God? Uh, does this, because it doesn't mean it has to always be nice. It always yeah. has to be, does what I'm saying here bring glory to the Father? And I do think it's safe to say Jesus would not have done stuff like that. Being online, that would have hurt his uh, reputation, yeah. hurt the reputation yeah. of his father. Yeah. For us, hurt the reputation of the church or whatever else it would be. I do think for some reason, so many people feel like, their online persona is just different. They can yeah. be a jerk. They can be mean. They can be, um, you know, a bit sacrilegious mm-hmm. or immodest or whatever else mm-hmm. in ways they wouldn't be in their day-to-day lives. And they have to, people just need to realize that you're causing a black eye for the church, yeah. for Christianity, uh, ultimately towards how people view uh, the person, Jesus, that you claim to be your Lord. And so I do think that becomes the spectrum through which in everything you do, do it for the glory of God. How you work, how you play, yeah. how you treat people, how right. you work right, right online, how you parent, all of this. We have to start asking ourselves those questions before we hit send or before we say those hard words or whatever else it might be. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good word for all of us, Brian. We've talked all throughout the show. We're going to keep yes. talking about resurrection, Easter Sunday. It was a powerful weekend for a lot of us kind of coming down off of that Easter high Uh, Later on in the week, we're going to talk about how the Sunday after Easter is actually one of the lowest attended Sundays (laughs) in church ever. So we have that to look forward to. But one of the things that we keep implying and we want you to hear is how the resurrection story changes everything. Mm -hmm. And um, over at Christianity Today, it's a book review by a guy named Ryan Putman saying, Jesus has risen, but now what? And he Mm. says, we're quick to affirm the resurrection, but we often miss its meaning. And ultimately what this uh, writer talks about, Brian, is that because of the resurrection, the resurrection impacts every stage of the order of our salvation. In the past, God saved us from sin by declaring righteous all who are united to Christ by faith. He Mm -hmm, he references mm -hmm. the biblical idea of justification. But then he also says that God continues to save us from sin in the present by actually transforming us into his likeness, what theologians call sanctification. And then ultimately he talks about how the resurrection will have clear implications for our future when God will save us from sin by completely removing the stain of sin and death, the stage we call glorification. He says, we cling to scripture's promise that like Jesus, we will be raised from the dead with bodies that reflect God's glory and goodness. To to paraphrase (laughs) Tolkien, the resurrection ensures that everything sad will come untrue. Okay, Mm. so if the resurrection impacts everything, Brian... What does that mean for us? I mean, Mm. those are like... Kind of an existential question you leave with me there. Uh, it, It... 
it become it has to have a day to day effect mm, on our lives, that's right? Good. You can't just go to church and proclaim He is risen and say that this is where we have our hope and this is where we have our victory, and then when that when when life goes badly not hang on to that, yeah. right? Like there needs to be some teeth to our faith here uh, to say that the resurrection is the foundation then must actually have ramifications or it's not actually our foundation. Uh, and sometimes that could be easier said than done, but sometimes Aubrey, it's to look at, you know, I, I hope this doesn't happen, but doctor comes in tomorrow and says, Hey, you have cancer. Yeah. The, the resurrection needs to influence mm. how they respond mm. to that. It doesn't make it easier. It doesn't mean you're happy. Yeah. But going, okay, but I can still have hope. I can still have victory. Yeah. Uh, I can still hold on. God, God has said, I will be with you always. Like, I still know these things to be true. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if we put all our hope in our good health. Yeah. And then the cancer diagnosis comes. Now yeah. I'm like, I got nothing to hold on to. Right. And so right. it, it's it, sometimes it's easier said than done, but... We can't just let the truth of the resurrection be an Easter thing or a church thing. Yeah. It really does change everything. Mm. And uh it, and we've got to make the take the steps in our lives to go, okay, I'm gonna make sure it does change everything. Yeah. Like sometimes it's just that simple, that intentional. Like, okay, uh I'm nervous about this, I have anxiety about this. How does the resurrection affect this? And and having those conversations with ourselves, I think mm-hmm. would make a difference. Yeah, that's good, Brian. I also think it's something that this article mentions that because Jesus has been raised from the dead, he's been raised from the dead as our great high priest. Mm. And he lives to pray for and shepherd his people. And so we think about like anything that we're going through, anything that we're facing, any suffering we're dealing with, any even evil in this world. We have a great high priest who knows the pain of that because he suffered himself and he can mediate for us and he can lead us and he can guide us. He has the authority to do that, the willingness to do that, the kindness to do that, the love to do that. And because of his resurrection, Mm -hmm. we know that there is a total victory over death, over evil, over the demonic forces at work in this world that that. We experience some of that now, but yes. one day we will experience that in full. And so I think what the resurrection then does, it's our daily hope, like you were saying, the thing that we cling to even when we get the terrible diagnosis. It's also the hope that we look forward to that, like, it will be okay. All shall be well. All manner of things shall be well, Julian of Norwich said. Like, this world feels so heavy right now. We, we you know, think about those in Ukraine right now. It, it's yes. awful. If we look to Jesus, that doesn't um, make everything okay in this moment. It doesn't take the pain away in this moment, but gives us a hope that is a firm foundation and unshakable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you bring up a great one. When I watch news reports of the Ukrainian uh, atrocities of what's Mm -hmm. going on, what difference does it make that Jesus has come, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, defeating sin and death? I said to our church yesterday, I said, um, you know, it struck me this morning as I was thinking about this. There are small underground churches or whatever in the Ukraine or refugees, you know, from the Ukraine who are celebrating Easter this morning and who are literally having to dis- like make the decision, do I have hope despite all that I'm going through? Wow, like it actually happened yesterday. Mm. Easter happened over there. Wow. And um, Jesus is, is – his victory is very real for them yeah. right now. Uh, you spent a year, you spent time in Africa mm-hmm. where there's much greater poverty and much greater, 
Jesus' hope and victory is much real, much more real there. That's true. We live in an age and a, and a society and a culture of comfort, mm-hmm. and that comfort really works against us mm-hmm. in this, going, oh, yeah, he's risen. Where are we going to lunch? No, right. no, he's risen. It changes mm-hmm. everything. And there will come a time where you're going to face up to that, you know, because stuff comes, happens, tragedy happens in your yeah. life. but. Uh, really, there, what does it mean to to live in light of the resurrection on my Monday, Tuesday, that's Wednesday, good. Thursday? I think that's where the rubber meets the road for our faith. That's good, Brian. And let me put you on the spot here and ask you the $64,000 question. If that's you like to sometimes ask me, yes. that's right. Um, you obviously you preached on this yesterday. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about it for the past couple of weeks. But for somebody who just is like, I... <sighs> Maybe I know the resurrection, like in my head, but I, man, that the power of the resurrection, I can't find God's power mm. in my finances, in my marriage, in my prodigal mm-hmm. son's life, in my prayer life, whatever, in my diagnosis. Um, pastor that listener out there, would you? Yeah. Uh, I thank you for being honest, right? Mm. Like sometimes we fake it, but, um, let me give you the church answer first. Spend time in prayer. There's a reason that's a church answer. Yeah. We, belo- we believe that God works powerfully in the prayers of his people. And if you right. can't pray, ask your friends to pray for you. Good. Have them carry you the same way that, you know, Aaron held up the staff for Moses. Love right. That. They'll yeah. hold you up. So that's one. Two, it struck me yesterday. I read the entire resurrection story to our church, mm-hmm. Luke 24, you know, 13 verses or yeah. whatever. I don't do that often during the year. Hmm. Like, let's read the resurrection story. Let's read 1 Corinthians 15, where we're talking about there being victory over sin and death. Let's remind ourselves of this good news. Um, And then I think we talk about this often. We do this in community. Mm. So what does it mean? You know, talk to your pastor, talk to your small group, talk to your friends. Hey, I'm really having trouble anchoring my hope in Christ in the midst of, you know, like you said, this relational breakdown or um, you know, my health diagnosis or whatever else it might be and, and allow them to shepherd you, allow them to uphold you. You talk often about how that happens with your friend who's who's struggling with cancer. Like yeah. there's probably days where she needs you to speak yep. truth to her. Like yep. if you're trying to do this as an island, it's going to be a struggle when things are going down. Uh, and so those are the kind of the things I would get. How would you answer that question? That's so no, I think those are those are such good things, Brian. And I, I do think something that we forget about is that communal aspect that you talked about, that in seasons where you just you can't access the power of the resurrection, you can borrow other people's faith. You can ask them to pray for you. You can, um, you know, say like, look, I, I don't believe right now. I need you to believe on my mm-hmm. behalf and and just sort of lean into the your Christian community. Like you said, we don't have to do this alone. God is part of the resurrection is God has made us a body, a family, the church. And so we get to walk through these dark, dark days alone and literally carry each other. Um, Going back to this article, one of the things that the writer says is we can't have Christianity without the resurrection, Mm -hmm. but we often neglect its power in our daily journey. So I, I hope that's a word of encouragement for all of you that we can access the power of the resurrection in our daily lives and find the strength that we need when we're facing hard times. At the end of every show, we love to bring you something inspiring or challenging or something to put a smile on your face. And I thought there would be no better guest than a good friend of mine. Her name is Tara Dodge Goodman. She's the co-lead pastor of Capital Church in Vienna, Virginia. 
She's a mom of three, and she helped put on an incredible event yesterday at the Capitol that we want to talk to her about. So, Tara, thanks so much for being here with us today. Oh, my gosh. Thanks, Aubrey and Brian. It's great to be with you guys. Um, yeah, we, my husband, Travis, I've been pastoring here, actually, in the Virginia part of uh, D.C. for the last six years, but we've been on staff here for about 20-plus years and um, really enjoyed our, our time here and actually are pretty exhausted uh, right now from yesterday. We did have the Lincoln Memorial Easter Sunrise Service again uh, this year, and um, so Monday after Easter is always a pretty low-key day for us. I can imagine I can't anything imagine. with sunrise. You must be exhausted. But, but Tara, that's what we want to talk to you about, a sunrise service at the Lincoln Memorial. I know this goes back many years, so could you give us kind of the history of it? And then for our audience, we, most of us have probably been to D.C., been to the uh, Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Memorial as, as tourists. Uh, just paint a picture. What was it like yesterday? Uh, what, what would we have seen if we were there? Sure. Well, so the service has actually been going on. This is our 42nd. Um, annual Lincoln Memorial Sunrise Service. It was actually founded, established by my my parents, um, obviously over 40 years ago. They were pastoring in D.C., and my dad was just walking along the National Mall uh, one morning, and he says, he'll describe it as saying, I thought it was a thought, but now I realize it was a whisper of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He just thought, you know, what if we had a Easter sunrise service here at the Lincoln Memorial. And uh, at the time, you know, in 1979, all you had to do was show up at the park service and uh, sign your name on a sheet of paper and you could host an event. Unbelievable. Um, And of course, you know, now, right, it's like a a novel that has to be gone over with uh, legal expertise and everything to make Mm. sure that we uh, abide by all of the guidelines with the National Park Service. But here we are 42 years later, uh, the service the very first year had about 130 people gathered that very first time. And through the years, the crowd has just grown and continued uh, to get larger and larger. Where pre-COVID, we were running between eight and 10,000 people wow. that were gathering on Easter Sunday morning at 6.30 a.m. I mm. mean, who, who does this? <laughs> who, like, if, if you're awake at 6.30, you're certainly not, like, dressed and ready in downtown. Right. Right. Um, so to just see how this has grown throughout the years, really is just feel that the blessing and the favor of God um, has been on this service. So it is a beautiful sight to behold. So the way that the people, the congregation sits on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and we set up a stage there at the bottom of the Lincoln Memorial, and what you get is a view of the sunrise, the sun rising right up over the the Capitol and the Washington Monument. Wow. And that happens right at 630. So as the sun rises over our nation's capital, we are there mm. um, worshiping, singing, praying, praising God and thanking Him for the resurrection. Mm. Oh, Tara, it's such a powerful description. Over at thewashingtonpost.com, they actually posted about this, and they have an article entitled, Easter Sunrise at the Lincoln Memorial is an emotional return to church for some. It's a really powerful article. Did you did you feel that Tara like the cuz obviously you you weren't able to meet the past couple years because of COVID. You weren't able to do this incredible event and some people haven't been back to church since COVID and for some people this was their first time back. Did, did it feel emotional when you were there because of all of those elements? You know, it really did, Aubrey and I wasn't expecting that. You know, mm. we're just thinking logistically after having not had this service for two years, um, we're excited to regather 
And yet we're not really knowing what to expect, yeah. right? I mean, just like churches are feeling these days, we thought, no, I don't know, what do we expect here? Are people even going to come? Do people remember that we do this at Easter time? And and uh, so I was thinking, okay, maybe it'll follow suit with churches that like, I don't know, somewhere between 40 and 60% might gather. I thought, if we got 40% of what we used to have, that'll be a win. And uh, we were overwhelmed, absolutely um, overwhelmed. There was 7,200 people that wow. gathered yesterday morning, wow. and which was like 85 to 90% of mm. what we had been having. Amazing. And um, I think it was just that. It, there was this sense. It was emotional. Um, like I said, I wasn't prepared for it. But all of a sudden, you realize there's always an excitement about it. But the truth is, it's still 630 in the morning. It's still kind of dark. It's kind of cold. People yeah. can be quiet and reserved. And yet, yesterday, as everybody gathered, there was this real sense of excitement. Um, there was an energy. People were glad to be there. And as I've um, reflected on it the last 24 hours, just been thinking about it, I feel like two things. It, it felt healing um, mm. to be able to gather together again, to be able to gather, to be free to gather, to not be worried and, and fearful, yeah. uh, to come together so many churches I mean we represented so many different churches so many different denominations not just from Virginia and DC and Maryland but people come from around the nation some people are in town visiting Washington DC and then find out about the service so there was this sense of it just felt it felt healing mm. to be able to be together and worship together and then the other thing I felt like uh, felt like a the only way to describe it is a deep soul breath, you mm. know, um, and uh, Pastor Mark actually, Mark Batterson was speaking this year. He was the, the one that was doing the message this year, and he even had us all collectively, hey, everybody just take a deep breath, Wow, you know, and we all kind of did that, and it felt like what our souls needed, this this sense of God has, has been with us through, through some tough times, mm. um, and he is here with us right now, and he's going to continue to be all will be well. Um, God is still on the throne, and it was. I think it was. It was healing, and uh, there was a peace that was there, and then just an excitement. So it was a really. It it, it took me off guard. Yeah, wow. it was more incredible. emotional than I thought it would be. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to tell my wife I'm gonna, I want to go to D.C. next Easter. Tara, one of the things that I find fascinating is you said lots of different churches there, right? We live in divided times, and there isn't a lot of unity, especially in Washington, D.C., around things, around anything. What sort of unity does this provide for churches post-Easter? Like, even as you go forward, it seems like it's got to really set a foundation for the churches of the D.C. area. Yeah, and, you know, I think that, Brian, that was part was so great was it was an opportunity for us to come together together around what unifies us rather than what divides mm-hmm. us because like we have been so divided um, and and we felt it we've been carrying that pressure and that burden and so to be able to sort of lay those things down and come together yesterday just around what we do have in common and what we do agree on uh, was just really really powerful. And we focus on what we say is we're there to proclaim boldly to our city and our nation and our world that Christ is risen and not Mm. just that he's risen, but to express what that does for us, what that means for us in everyday life. And I feel like we were able 
to do that. We had an incredible prayer where we took time to pray specifically for our city, to pray specifically for our nation, and to pray specifically for our world. And it just, there was just a collective, beautiful amen in all of this, that God is with us, and He is still sovereignly reigning and presiding over all of the anxiety and all of the uncertainty and all of the struggles that that we've all been through together in the last couple of years. So I felt like it was really, again, healing and unifying for for all of us. Oh, so good. Our our nation needs that right now, certainly. Tara, uh, for people who missed the service but maybe want to catch up online, where can they watch it? Yeah, absolutely. Eastersunrise.com. You just go to eastersunrise.com. We're going to be there again. You can catch uh, this. Uh, yesterday's service was just incredible. And mm. then again, we're going to be there next year. Oh, so April so 9th, awesome. 2023, mark your calendar, eastersunrise.com. <laughs> Brian and his wife are going to be there. Well, <laughs> Come Tara- on. I'll get you a good seat. I know people. <laughs> she knows people. I'm She's in. connected. Tara Dodge Goodman is the co-lead pastor of Capital Church in Vienna, Virginia. We've been talking to her about this incredible event, the Easter Sunrise Service at the Lincoln Memorial. Again, you can go to eastersunrise.com, watch that service. I actually watched it. It is incredibly powerful, definitely worth your time. Tara, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Aubrey. And thanks, everyone else, for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.